Father, your, your name is indeed great. And God, Jesus, it is, it is your name and your name alone that uh, we worship and we lift high. It is your name and your name alone that is worthy of worship, and worthy of our affection, and worthy of our attention. So we give it all to you, uh, Jesus. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Uh, I, I, I know we're kind of going out of order this morning, but uh, we're going to do a couple of different things this morning. We're really excited as we continue our series in Philippians called True Confidence. And, and there's a lot of things in this world that we've been saying that we can put our confidence in, but really the only thing that will give us true confidence, real confidence, unending confidence, no matter what our circumstances are, is Jesus. <clears throat> but what about, what about the confidence when it comes to worship? What, what, where do we put our confidence? What confidence do we have uh, when we come to worship God, when we approach God? You know, um, how do we know that we're worshiping well, how do we know that we're worshiping in spirit and truth? How do we know that we're worshiping with all of our hearts? See, in the midst of everything that we've done this morning, the question begs to be asked is, are we worshiping? Did we worship? You know, did, did we honor God? Did we bless God? Did we engage all of our hearts and all of our mind and all of our souls and all of our will? Because this morning, the, the, the text, it shows us what, what worship is and um, what worship means and, and what kind of worship God desires for us to give him. And, and when we think about worship, I, I think we think about a lot of different things. I mean, is, 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 it, is it the style, right? I mean, is it traditional versus contemporary? Is it hymns versus choruses? Or, or, or is, it, is it the tone? Is it, is it majestic and reverent and stained glass and high church and organs? Or, or is it warm and intimate and candlelight and, and, uh, and, 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 and guitars? Is it, is it an environment with the lights and the sound and the screens and the AC that's always too cold? I mean... What, what, what is worship? I mean, there's no denying that these things uh, play a part in worship, but, but true worship has very little to do with the externals and everything to do with the internals. Because worship is about our hearts. Worship is about our hearts. And today we find Paul talking to the church of Philippi and there's two different groups in this church that, um, that he's talking to. And um, because there's one, one group that's worshiping God the, the correct way, the true way, but there's another group, they're, they're believers, they're followers of Christ, but they're worshiping the true God falsely. They're, they're worshiping the true God in the wrong ways because they're throwing in all these other things on top of what you have to do to worship, and that's what we're going to see this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn to Philippians chapter three this morning. Philippians chapter three is where we're going to be, and we're going to be in chapter three for the next three or four weeks. And I want to really encourage you to 
to read chapter three, three different times this week and circle different names and characteristics of God and underline different promises or commands or highlight some verses that really stand out to you. And if you didn't bring your Bibles, we'll put it up on the screen for you. But uh, Paul writes, and we're just three verses this morning is what we're gonna talk about. But in chapter three, verse one, he says, further, in other words, in light of everything that I've said, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Now, this is kind of a theme that Paul keeps talking about. He says, rejoice in the Lord. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are because our joy has nothing to do with our surroundings. Our joy has nothing to do with our circumstances. Our joy has everything to do with our position in Christ and who we are in Christ. In fact, he comes around this theme with this word rejoice 18 different times. He talks about joy in this short little book. But he says, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. It is as a safeguard for you. And so Paul, he's putting up these safeguards for worship. Now, let's just think about a worship service for a moment, okay? That in a worship service, um, we should be confronted with the gospel. When I say confronted with the gospel, I mean, we're confronted with the reality that, that Jesus came to live the life we can't live and he died the death that we deserve. And that the only way to have forgiveness of sin and a right relationship with our heavenly father is by placing our faith in who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And we should be confronted with that every single time we gather and should be given an opportunity to respond to that. But when thinking about a worship service, we have a, we have a time of praise that we recognize God's glory and, and, and we praise him for who he is, not, not just for what he's done or what he's blessed us with, but we praise him for who he is. There should be a time of renewal that we'd recognize our sinfulness and, and we recognize our depravity and we recognize our, our need for him. We recognize that our sin has put us in a hopeless situation and that we need a savior. And there should be a time of commitment, a time where we trust and we obey Christ. So worship's a time of praise, a time of renewal, a time of commitment. So, so the order, the structure, the style, the tone is not important. But what is important is that Jesus in his gospel is at the center of our worship. And so he continues to write in verses two and three. He says, watch out for those dogs those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. So he issues this strong warning to this group of people that are adding things. And, and really the English translation doesn't do it justice. A better translation would be, watch out, watch out for those dogs, exclamation point. Watch out for those evildoers, exclamation point. Watch out for those mutilators of the flesh, exclamation point. And then, and then what we see is we see this contrast between true worship and false worship. And let me just give you three categories uh, to unpack this morning. And then uh, the band, the band's gonna go ahead and come on out and uh, really kind of continue to press into this roadmap that we put in of, of praise and, and uh, renewal and commitment. But, but three categories we see this morning that we'll unpack in just a moment. That true worship is freedom. False worship is bondage. True worship is spiritual. False worship is fleshly. And true worship is humble. And false worship 
is boasting. That's where we're heading this morning, but let's just pause for a moment. Let's take a break. Let's process this, the, these, these truths and where we're going and let's spend some time praising God. Let's spend some time uh, just processing internally um, what it is that God wants to speak to us this morning about. So let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for uh, just Jesus. Thank you for who you are. Regardless of what you've blessed us with or given us, Father, we just wanna wanna bless you and thank you for who you are. And we pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. I'd love to invite you to stand as as we read together Psalm 150. And Lord, we... We lift our hearts to you as we read this. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let's say that together. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Amen.
bless my Every chance I get, I bless your name. Bless God when my hands are empty. Bless God with the praise that cost me. Bless God when nobody's watching. Every chance I get, I bless your name. Bless God with the weapons for me. Bless God when the walls are falling. Bless God cause he goes before me. Every chance I get, I bless your name. Bless God cause he holds the victory. Bless God for he's always with me. Bless God for he's always worthy. Every chance I get, I bless your name. Lift up to Every chance I get, I bless your name. God been for you this week? And has he has it been strength? Has it been comfort? Has it been provider? Has it been a refuge, a fortress? You see, we, we can praise him for who he is, not just on Sunday mornings with the band, 
we can praise him every single day just for who he is. Just for who he is. So, man, you guys can be seated. Let's unpack these three things about worship that, uh, that Paul gives us. Um, first one being true worship is freedom and false worship is, is bondage. Now, now, true worship, when you think about true worship, it's, uh, it's, it's about the freedom that we have been given in Christ. That when we put our faith in Christ, it's the freedom that comes with that. that that's our mission statement. That's the reason why I exist, is we exist to declare and display the freeing power of Jesus Christ in our lives. Um, false worship is about the law. Now, now, here's the difference between the two. True worship is about Jesus and what he's done for us. False worship is about us and what we can do for him, okay? That true worship is, is about Jesus's life and what he's accomplished, his obedience to the cross and, and his, the power of his resurrection and how that defeats sin and death in our lives False worship is about, is about how our behavior and our performance and our religious activity. And so false worship forces us to put our trust in our own performance. And we, when we come in thinking that uh, we have a better position with God based on our behavior or that God loves us more based on our religious activity and our praise is hollow, our repentance is shallow and our commitment is weak at the very best. And so why? Because, because Jesus is not the center of our worship when we're the center of our worship, that the weight falls on us and how well have we done this week and how busy have we been for God and what all have we done for God and that kind of mindset creeps into how we view God and we think we can tip the scale our way or gain our way into his favor that he will love us more when, when our worship is about us and our performance and that leads to bondage, not freedom. So Jesus has to be the center of our worship and what he brings to our lives through faith in him. So, so true worship is freedom. False worship is bondage. True worship, secondly, is spiritual and false worship is fleshly. That, uh, that Paul says it's by his spirit that we worship. That Paul is saying that we belong to the Holy Spirit. That when we put our faith in Jesus, okay, not only do we have forgiveness of sin, but we, you've, heard, or you've heard us say this over and over. But we have forgiveness of sin, but we go, we go from being dead spiritually to being alive spiritually. We become adopted sons and daughters of God. And we have all the rights and privileges that go with our Father's name. And he puts the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ in us to seal us, to mark us as his, that we are now his people. And we worship, but Paul is saying we worship in spirit because, because now it's the time of the spirit. It's, um, it's, uh, it, it's the age, it's the era of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul says in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter five, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The new creation has come. The old is gone, okay? And the new is here. Paul says in Romans chapter eight, 
He says, you, however, are not of the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So when we put our faith in Christ, Christ puts his spirit in us. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, he says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So he's talking about sacrifice. In his Jewish audience, they would have, they would have hung on to that. They would, that would have made sense to them. Because for, for, for thousands of years, God had set up this system of sacrifice, and, and so what would happen is you as a Jewish family would make this trek uh, to Jerusalem, you know, once a year if you could afford it, and you would get there, and then you would have to purchase your sacrifice. And so you would, you would wait in a long line, okay? And based on your income level, you could buy a, a, a couple of doves, or you could buy a, a goat, or you could buy a calf, and you would get your get your sacrifice, and then you would go wait in another long line with your, you know, with your family, and, and then you would uh, go you know, to see the priest, and when you get to the priest, you would hand them the sacrifice, and the, uh, the priest would sacrifice that animal and take uh, palm branches and dip them in the blood and sprinkle them over you and your family, and your faith in that system that God has set up would, would deal with your sin, would kind of set your sin apart for another year. And so, but your sin was still it was still had to be dealt with, but every single sacrifice that was ever made pointed to the final, true, perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying that time period, it's over with. We're living in a new age, a new time, a new era, and it's the era of the spirit. And so instead of like a sacrifice, we're gonna live as living sacrifices. In other words, he takes worship out, out of going to the temple and he puts worship into the context of how you and I live. And so now it's a living act of worship that how you and I live, we're living out the scriptures, we're living out the songs as we walk out these doors. And the point that Paul is trying to make is that worship in the spirit is brand new. And every time you and I meet with God, there can be this newness. There can be this excitement because the spirit is renewing us day by day by day to make us look like and act like and love like and think like and talk like and give like Jesus Christ. Now, now, now think about this, this, this concept that that every time we meet with God, there can be this newness and excitement. I just want you to think about, just go back in time, and, and I want you to think in your mind, where were you last Sunday? Let's go back in time, got, jump in our time machine. It, it's last Sunday at nine o'clock. And I want you to think about the week that you had. I want you to think about what you went through this week. You see, a week has gone by. A week that God has seen you through. A week that God has not left you or forsaken you, but he's promised you he will be with you. A week has gone by that he has, he has seen us through some pretty difficult trials for some of us. 
That for some of us, we, we, we said goodbye to some really good friends and he saw us through that. For some of us, we've, we've experienced the comfort of Jesus in a, in a way we've never experienced it before. For some of us, we've experienced his strength in the midst of temptation. And for whatever reason, we were able to say no to that temptation this week. And it wasn't because of willpower or any self-help book because self can't help self. It was the Holy Spirit at work in us. And we saw God strengthen us this week in the midst of temptation. Some of us experienced forgiveness of a sin uh, this week. Some of us have been comforted when we were sad. Some of us have been provided for provided our daily bread, provided for in pretty miraculous ways. We didn't know how we were gonna make it through the week financially, but some way, somehow, we did it. And it wasn't we who did it, it was God who did it. We, we're here another week having been shaped and molded to us, uh, shaped and molded by God to make us look like and act like and live like Jesus. And here we are. And so the songs that we're singing today, we sing with a new perspective, a fresh perspective. Because last week, maybe we sang the same songs or the last time we sang these songs, we didn't have the perspective on Jesus and the spirit that we have this week, right? Because we've lived a week and God has been with us through the whole time. And so Paul is saying that we are renewed daily by his spirit, we renew daily by the risen Christ. And we have a new perspective on what a life looks like lived in and lived for him. See, Paul, he's talking to this group known as the Judaizers. And they were a group of people who grew up Jewish but had put their faith in Jesus. And, and what they were doing is... Um, they, they, they wanted to make all the Gentile converts and the Gentile converts, they, they were people who didn't grow up Jewish. They were, putting, they were putting all the Old Testament Jewish laws and rituals on them, including circumcision. The circumcision, it was the pinnacle symbol for the people of Israel that said that they were God's chosen people. It was a symbol that, that said, hey, we belong to God. It was a symbol that, that God told Abraham. Remember, going way back in our storyline series, go back to Abraham and God instructs, he says, hey, this will be a sign to you and it'll be a sign to the world that you belong to me and it's circumcision. And on the eighth day of, of every baby boy's life, he was circumcised. Okay, now as an, eight, as an eight day old baby boy, that's not very traumatic experience, but as a 38 year old new convert to Christianity, and now I'm being told, you know, I've got to follow through with this procedure, that's a pretty big deal. But they're putting all these rules and regulations on these new Gentile believers because they're saying, hey, if you really want to be accepted by God, if you really want to be loved by God, if you really want to you know, access God and worship him, you got to follow all these rules, including circumcision. And Paul, who was also Jewish, who was very proud of his Jewish heritage, and we'll talk about that next week, Paul looks at all these rules and all these rituals and he looks at circumcision and he says, we don't need that anymore. See, to, to believe as a Christian that, we, that something else is needed for us to worship and approach God is absolutely wrong. And what Paul is saying here, he's saying all those Old Testament laws, all those rules, all those rituals are no longer needed 
Because when it comes to us approaching our heavenly father, it is faith in Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. And so true worship is spiritual. False worship is fleshly. And the last one is true worship is humble and false worship is boasting. That, that true worship is this humble assurance that everything is right between us and God. Not based on my performance, but based on the performance of Jesus. False worship is self-righteous assurance. It, it's, it, it's thinking that I'm better than somebody else. I've done enough to achieve what God desires. But see, during true worship, we should be constantly marveled at the fact that we're even here. See, in that great uh, hymn, Amazing Grace, John Newton, he writes this lyric. He says, God saved a wretch like me. God saved a wretch like me. It doesn't say I performed my way into having God save a wretch like me. I behaved my way into God. You know, I manipulated my way. It says God saved. God did all the work. He did all the saving. He did all the choosing. God saved a wretch like me. Have you ever felt the wonder and amazement of that line? Do you realize where I once was compared to where I am now? Not because I'm a better behaved person, but because, because I am, my sin has been forgiven and no longer I'm an enemy of God, but I'm, a, I'm his son or I'm his daughter. I used to be wretched, but now I'm loved. I'm prized, I'm cherished. You see, the Judaizers, they, they didn't ever feel very wretched because they boasted in their own religious accomplishments. And Paul goes on to write that we can boast in nothing other than Jesus Christ. And as the band comes, um, true worship, okay? True worship engages all of our minds all of the time. True worship engages all of our hearts all of the time. True worship engages all of our will, all the time, it's not just singing the songs, it's not just gathering together, it's, it's how we live. And that when we do gather together and we do sing, we should remind one another of who God is and, and what he's done. And that when we worship God, the gospel should be pressed way down into our souls as it refreshes us and then it starts spilling over into the way we live. I don't know if that's real clear, but, but let me illustrate it for you this way, okay? Let's just say, fellas, that uh, this week, that uh, you stopped by Urban Country Flowers and, uh, and you got some flowers for your wife. And you're like, well, why would I do that? I did that, you know, for, for Valentine's Day and Valentine's Day was last week. And so why would I, I exactly, that's my point, all right? It's not Valentine's Day. But let's say you walk in at the end of the day and you, uh, you walk in and you present to, to your wife flowers and she says, oh my gosh, you got me flowers. They're so beautiful. Why did you do it? And you say to her, duty. It's my job. 
me Tarzan, you Jane, me bring flowers. How is she going to feel about that? That's not going to bless her, right? Or let's say, let's say you stop by, you get the flowers, you break them home, you, you present them to her. And she goes, oh my gosh, you brought me flowers. They're beautiful. Why, why did you do it? And you say, habit. I did it last week. thought I'd do it this week. It's just a habit. Just something I do. doesn't really mean anything. It's just a habit. That's not going to bless her heart either, right? Or you walk in, you present the flowers, and she says, oh my gosh, flowers again? Why, they're so beautiful. Why did you do it? And you're like, guilt. Now, that's probably a real reason to give her flowers, all right? But you say, you know, I, I feel so guilty about what I said or what I did. And, and so as a makeup call, I want to just kind of even the score and here's some flowers. Or maybe you go, you present flowers and she says, flowers, oh my gosh, they're so beautiful. Why did you do it? And you're like, shame. You know, I'm not a very good person and I feel so bad. And I, I just, at least this makes me feel better about myself. That's not gonna bless her. But guys, what if? What if you walk in with these flowers and she says, oh my gosh, the flowers are so beautiful. Why did you do it? And you look at her and you say, nothing gives me more pleasure than to honor and cherish you. And I just wanted to say thank you for who you are and the joy you bring me and all that you do. And I just wanted to say, I love you. That response would bless her heart. And the same is true when it comes to worship. There are things that we do as Christians, but they shouldn't be motivated by duty or habit or shame or guilt. All of our shame and guilt has been dealt with. And so everything that we do as Christians should be out of a heart of gratitude to say, I just wanted to bless you, to say thank you for who you are and what you've done in me and for me. And I just wanted to say, I love you with everything that I am and everything that I have. That's true worship. That's living worship. That's the worship that blesses and honors the heart of God. Grace, would you go give these to Miss Ruth back there? Thank you. So that's where we are. That's what we're going to spend the rest of our time doing. Miss Ruth, we love you. So let's spend the rest of our time just worshiping God for who he is. Not necessarily what he's done. So uh, let's spend some time just in renewal. Let me read this verse. and just, I don't want to have you close your eyes. And this is what the psalmist writes. He says, then I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not cover it up. I did not cover up my iniquity, but I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Let's just pause for a moment and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you any unconfessed sin that you might have before the Lord. Just say, Holy Spirit.
show me, is there any sin I'm trying to cover up or make an excuse for? And if so, just confess that between you and your heavenly father saying, God, I wanna confess this to you. I know it's wrong. I know it's a sin. I confess it to you. 